reason everybody fired up this season. But Vegas obviously understands the history that comes along with Tony Romo and how he performs in the month of November. But I'm curious if that plays into the Cowboys' hands, because if you have two tight ends on the field, does that let the Cowboys use Byron Jones like they have since OTAs to play the tight end man all over the field? I'm a monster, I'm a killer, I know I'm wrong, yeah. I'm a problem that I never, ever be solved. And he says, listen, I, my knee's a little dinged up, my ankle's a little dinged up, my foot's a little sore, but but I've got the juice because Tony Romo's got the juice. I, I want to work hard and come back and be better because because I want Tony Romo and my teammates to be better. It's amazing, so amazing, so amazing, so amazing, it's amazing, so amazing, so amazing, so amazing, it's amazing. All right, all right, all right. You are now rocking with the best Cowboys Crunch Time with KD. I am your host, KD Drummond. And we are celebrating as we have a chance to finally win two games in a row for the first time in two months. Now, obviously, you have to have a win in order to win two games in a row, and the Cowboys have been defunct and dilapidated over the last two months as they've been trying to survive with these backup quarterbacks du jour and its poo-poo platter when it comes to Brandon Whedon and Matt Castle. But lo and behold, the prodigal son has returned, and in Tony Romo's return, the Cowboys have returned to the win column. They are now 3-0 on the season with Tony Romo at the helm. But unfortunately, they're 3-7 overall. And the NFL doesn't really give you credit for only when your franchise quarterback is playing. So the task is still daunting ahead of the Cowboys. They are still in 16th place out of 16 teams in the NFC. And they literally will have to run the table in order to make it to the playoffs. I know a lot of people think that they can go 5-1 and one of these next six games and have a chance to do it, but in all reality, they're going to need to run the table. And that, of course, has to start with the game that they play on Thursday, Thanksgiving, against the undefeated Carolina Panthers. You can't ask for a bigger test than this. The Cowboys will be facing off against Cam Newton, who is right now, in my estimation, the leading candidate for the MVP of the NFL. He leads all quarterbacks in total touchdowns. He is the uh, only offensive star that they have. I mean, I guess you can definitely give credit to Greg Olson, but they did lose their top wide receiver in the preseason uh, in Kelvin Benjamin. And basically Cam Newton is their entire offense and the linchpin. And they've been successful. They have a very dynamic cornerback in Josh Norman. They have very dynamic linebackers and they have a very stout defensive front. So it'll be very difficult for the Cowboys to pull out this victory. 
But what do they have on their side? Tony Romo. Because quiet is kept when the game first hit, when, when, when the calendar first turned into, towards this week, Vegas actually put the Cowboys as a betting favorite over the undefeated Carolina Panthers. And a lot of people were up in arms and all of the money quickly raced to Carolina, swinging the line, so on and so forth. A lot's to be made about that. But Vegas obviously understands the history that comes along with Tony Romo and how he performs in the month of November. When healthy, Tony Romo has now won basically 16 games in a row. His last 16 games in the regular season, Tony Romo has won. And when you compare that to the fact that Cam Newton in his last 13 regular season games that he's won, it's a dynamic matchup. But you have to go all the way back to that game that the Cowboys lost to Matt Flynn in 2013 for the last time that Tony Romo lost a regular season game when he was healthy. He wasn't healthy in week one of last year against San Francisco. We all know that. He got knocked out of the Washington loss. He didn't play the Arizona loss. And because of the back injury that he suffered against Washington, he was on a Toradol shot every week for the rest of the season. Now, Toradol is so strong, you can only get a shot once a week. What happened on Thanksgiving? It was too soon for him to take the shot. So he went out there against the Philadelphia Eagles without having the shot, and we all know how pathetic the Dallas Cowboys team looked coming home from that late Sunday night game against New York Giants uh, in their previous session. So all in all, Tony Romo is basically on an entire undefeated season streak. So, of course, Vegas looked at it and said the Cowboys have a hell of a shot in pulling off what would be considered an upset against the undefeated Carolina Panthers. But that's not the only thing that we're here to talk about today. There's so much more going on. Now, one of the key stats that I always talk about, and you can read it on CowboysHQ.com, is the toxic event ledger. And that's basically big explosive plays on offense, 25 yards or more pass play, 10 yards or more rush play, turnovers, and special teams touchdowns. Once again, it told the story of the Cowboys game against the Miami Dolphins, with the Cowboys salting the game away with three explosive plays, three Darren McFadden runs of 10 yards or more. And if you look at that article, it will show you how the Cowboys turn big plays into points and how keeping the Dolphins from doing that basically is what won them the game. The issue is that Carolina is built on the big play. And we'll talk to my man Keith Mullins about that a little bit later on uh, on his portion of the show. But Carolina is a chunk play type of team, which is why you see them having such success, even though Cam Newton's completion percentage is not what typically gets equated to quality quarterback play. But make no bones about it. Cam Newton is an MVP caliber player in 2015. So you can look at his completion percentage being sub 60% all you want to. Just know that when he does complete those passes, they are big plays. And he also is able to create chunk plays in the running game which makes him even more dynamic and a very tough thing for the Cowboys to have to defend. Now, there are other things to take into account. Uh, you all know me and my advanced stats notebook. Uh, one of the things that we love is the Aikman efficiency rating. Uh, Rod Marinelli gave his uh, credence to the validity of the stat. Uh, the Cowboys are making a move. Obviously, with the return of Romo, they jumped up in the standings a little bit. They are up to 19th in the Aikman efficiency rankings. However, Carolina is first. This is a talented team, front to back, make no bones about it. 
some of the other advanced stats that we like to look at, the playoff odds. Cowboys did improve 3% in their playoff odds uh, on footballoutsiders.com, but they still have their mean wins projection to only be 5.6, which means that they really aren't buying the sauce of the Cowboys being able to run this table. If they only see the Cowboys getting to six wins, that obviously would be three and three over the last uh, six weeks of the season. They currently have their mean win projection at 5.6, which would still be in last place in the NFC. And the NFC East, excuse me. Carolina, of course, is on a 14-win projection. But, hey, if they're only going to get to 14 wins and they already have 10, Cowboys might as well give them one of those two losses, shouldn't they? Uh, another key stat that we love to look at is third down conversion percentage, and I think this will be one of the keys to the game on Thursday afternoon, is that on offense, Dallas is actually a better team at converting third down, and Dallas is on an uptick when it comes to their third down completion percentage over the last, uh, for the majority of the season, they were in the bottom third of the league. But over the last three weeks, they've really improved the third down conversion percentage. They are up to 15th in the league at 38.21%, and Carolina is 18th. So Dallas is actually converting a better percentage of their third downs, and they'll need to in order to keep Cam Newton and the offense off the field. I believe that Dallas will not try for the big play too much, or at least the big play in the air. They will look to uh, get a high completion percentage and give receivers the opportunity to run after the catch. I think that is going to be their best strategy. Again, we'll talk about that with Keith Mullen uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but for now, you know what? We're not even going to waste any time. Let's just get into it because we have a dynamic show lined up for you. Of course, I keep alluding to Mullen's session, and we will always have my man Mike Fisher on the show. So let's go ahead and break it down right now with Cowboys insider Mike Fisher. Find something, but otherwise, oh, yeah. very positive week for the Cowboys. 
Yeah, I, I'm sure that the uh, the news network, the, the cable networks, the sports networks are just holding on to some piece of information that we're going to figure out. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll hear about somebody that got fined because their shoelace was untied or something along those lines that they'll turn into a, a national story. But all in all, I, I get the sense on Twitter there's no more bickering. People aren't jumping at fans. They're not jumping at reporters. That the belief in the cause, because Tony Romo has now returned, is very strong with this organization. Now, it could all go sideways with a loss on Thursday, but for now, everybody seems to be on the same page and truly believing in the movement. Well, and we've written about, if you're a Cowboys HQ uh, insider, uh, premium subscriber, you're aware of this, you know, it, it was the Tony Romo aura. It started Saturday night with a cake at Nick and Sam's. I think it was at Nick and Sam's. It continued. That was Thursday night. Then Saturday night with his speech in front of the team. And then there was the actual game. And then there was a uh, an unlit big fat victory cigar on the plane ride home. All, all the kind <laughs> of things that, you know, Matt Castle and Brandon Whedon can't quite pull off. Brandon, nobody ever asked Brandon Whedon to speak before the team on a Saturday night. It's just that's just it's not his team. It's not Matt right. Castle's team. But it it fit Tony Romo, uh, and it worked. I really think if you go kind of analyze his performance, just in terms of quarterback rating or X's and O's or you know being mistake free and all that, it, it it wasn't Tony Romo's best game. Oh no! But it was Tony Romo's but it was Tony Romo's best aura, and and it it buoyed. Um, 52 other men to go out and do their job is just a little bit better. And I, I don't know, you know, how many people I, I can get kind of corny with my sentimental manufactured storylines, but the images of Tony Romo, I used one in the article on the uh, toxic event ledger today of his standing there in that torrential downpour. I mean, you couldn't get more symbolic of the Cowboys season. The fact that the Dolphins started off and it was sunny, the Cowboys get the ball and the torrential rain start. And then the rains lift as the game moves along and Tony Romo was playing in sunshine. That literally felt how all of Cowboys nation felt waiting on Tony Romo to return these last two months. So I have no yeah, doubt see, that the yeah, you're right. the same way. Yeah, and if you're if you're not two and seven, you don't you might not notice it the same way. You know, uh, you, you don't you don't have to look for two look for signs if you're two and or if you're seven and two. You're, right. you're just you're, you're rolling and you're playing football, but when you're two and seven, again, this goes back to the uh, the, the kind of thing like the Corey White and and C Mike releases. The they they got they got released because they weren't good enough, because right. they weren't part of the the 53 best. Uh, C Mike, if you'll recall, he was at the the Eagles game here at A and T Stadium where. Rod Smith got eight snaps lined up at wide receiver, fullback and halfback. Okay, that that's that's three weeks ago. Rod Smith beat out seemed like three weeks ago. And mm-hmm. then Robert Turbin comes available and Robert Turbin's better than C Mike. So it, uh, and the same thing with Corey White. The the kid uh Olatoye. Olatoye, does that sound right? Olatoye. <laughs> uh, Olatoye. They they had so many injuries in the secondary that that he got a chance to go play with first and second team, and he played well, and he played better than Corey White. Uh, and I, I keep telling the same joke because I think it's funny. If C. Mike or Corey White were good enough, they could have got on the team bus on the way to the stadium that day and dressed like uh, Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> and, no, and nobody would have cared. 
very much. Some really smart guy on on uh, Cowboys HQ, the ranch discussion boards, says he wasn't good enough to violate the dress code. That's yep. that's that's the reality of this. Uh, to use, you know, Greg Hardy is the example that everybody wants to use, of course. And then I always use Michael Irvin as the example. And Irvin, this week on the fan, 105.3 The Fan, like jokingly took jabs back at me, saying, why does Fisher always use me as the example? Well, (laughs) and he knows why. Because when he was in his deepest depths at the age of 30 or so, I said and wrote and and did it a lot. I said, Michael Irvin's going to be around here for 30 more years. And his positives as a man will outweigh the negatives that he's going through right now and the negatives that he's causing right now, because he did cause them. So Michael Irvin is a great example of redemption, if you will, and he still has his struggles, and he's still going to come out on top. I don't know that that's Greg Hardy's fate. I don't know that that's the 2015 Cowboys' fate, but I like their chances a lot better than I did four days ago. And in two days, we're going to see the Cowboys facing off against the undefeated Carolina Panthers on Thanksgiving. And obviously, the Cowboys, uh, Gil Brandt on Twitter, once again, retold the story. The reason the Cowboys are on Twitter, or on Twitter, the reason the Cowboys are on TV every Thanksgiving at home is because the NFL took a survey of all the teams for the second Thanksgiving game, and the Cowboys were the only team that volunteered. So all the people that are upset at the Cowboys for always having the home field advantage as if they're the team on the opposite on the opposite sideline every year, which never makes sense to me uh, why they would complain. But the Cowboys have earned the right to be at home for Thanksgiving every year. And this year is no different. In that time frame, they've obviously learned how to adapt to this uh, frenzied schedule of the Thursday game, which is now a staple of the weekly schedule in the NFL. But talk to me about how the Cowboys go through this short week and how it's different than everything else that they're used to. Yeah, the the Monday – had to be like a Wednesday, and okay. that was so. That was a Romo Wednesday on Monday, and that's why it didn't work. And then gotcha. Tuesday uh, is basically Thursday and Friday crammed together, and then then they you know then they get their their brief walkthrough and they you know go, go stay at the hotel together and all that on the night before. But I think you're right. One of the reasons, and listen, the Cowboys were were smart and lucky to have to have taken that Thanksgiving Day game all those years ago and then to have it grandfathered in because now Jerry, you know, because people argue against it now. People say we want mm-hmm. our turn. And Jerry and the Cowboys keep saying, no, we're, we're, we're grandfather clause. We we did it when, when it wasn't, whenever he didn't think it was a good idea. Now that we've made it into a good idea, you can't take it away from us. So they, they do have a system uh, that, that is in place. They do have an understanding of it. And a lot of it circles back to Romo, who in the month of November has a lifetime record of 26 and six, and at home is 17 and two in Romovember. Uh, he 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 is central to making Thanksgiving Day at AT&T Stadium work in favor of the home team. And and the Cowboys could definitely use some of that Romo magic uh, that has returned to the landscape for this team and for their fan base that is uh, basically on pins and needles, hoping that he can pull off a miracle and pull off the impossible. Uh, Now, 
the Cowboys are not without injury, as you alluded to last week on the show. Mo Claiborne would be out for two games, and sure enough, we're hearing the reports now that he will, uh, the hamstring injury that he's suffering will keep him out of this lineup, which has a trickle-down effect on how the defense uh, will face off against the Carolina Panther offense. But talk to me about the overall injury scene and how difficult it is for some of these guys to get ready based off of just playing this past Sunday, which would be four games. Yeah, for one thing, you know, we, we're all aware of that theory that the reason the Thursday night games in the NFL stink is because football players' bodies aren't meant to do that. And so right. the, the quality of play on Thursday night goes down, uh, and, and that can be a danger here. You hope, if you're a Cowboy fan, that it's only a danger for the team that isn't used to it and has to travel. They, the Cowboys get lucky on Byron Jones because that, that ankle looked bad for a second, but he practiced today. Yeah. He'll be the starting left cornerback. Unfortunately, we were right about Mo Claiborne, which means uh, Byron has to play cornerback and therefore can't go get uh, the big weapon for Carolina, their tight end, Greg Olson. He obviously has been the tight end stopper when he's been allowed to play at safety. So Church and Wilcox are the safeties, and Patman's the slots. And uh, Carr, who also has an ankle problem that he's battling through, he'll obviously be the other cornerback. Rolando McClain talked today and, and uh, was just in a jubilant mood. So he, he's he's feeling good physically and mentally, and that's an up. Uh, him and Sean Lee feel like they, they finally did in that game what they've been envisioning for themselves since we were in Oxnard. They, that, that's what they thought was going to happen. We're going to go sideline to sideline, both of us, east to west, both of us. Uh, we're going to get our hands on footballs. Uh, uh, and, and those things happened last week. And, if they can happen again, great. Here's the biggest problem you've got, and it's game planning for Cam Newton, who I think is the MVP of the NFL. Uh, I agree. He doesn't have near the he doesn't have near Tom Brady's help, starting with head coach, and and trying to defense the read option done properly. You know the read option with Robert Griffin the third. The reason it doesn't work is because because he gets crushed by defensive ends. But Cam Newton doesn't get crushed by defensive ends. He can crush them. He is a defensive right. end. So they'll run that read option, and he'll just they'll ride it, ride it, ride it. He'll stick with that running back. I mean, they'll, they'll take two steps. They'll take two strides together as he's reading the defense on the run. And I think this might be a game where you don't get a bunch of sacks against Cam Newton because you're so concerned about contain. The Cowboys' defensive ends like to come at you at an angle. And, and collapse that pocket into a V, you might have to turn that pocket into more of a, into more of a square just to make sure that, that he doesn't get out of it and hope he does a little bit of what he did when the Cowboys played at Carolina a couple of years ago, and I'm sure you remember the game, when he really had problems with, with the strike zone as a, as a passer. He was throwing right. balls. To, you know, a receiver would sit down, sit down in a hole, and the ball would be like five yards to the left or right of the guy. Uh, that that's what you hope can happen to Cam Newton because if you give him a seam, if you misread your assignment on the read option, uh, away he goes. And my, my man R.J. Choppy this morning on the fan was reciting Cam Newton passing numbers and saying, well, you know, he doesn't have this many, as many yards as this guy. and doesn't have many yards per attempt as that guy. Dude, I, I, but he's he's the MVP. <laughs> he, this, he, he's a great example of how it's – it's you have to look past the stats and watch the games, and and well, when you watch as many games. 
I was I was about to say it's all about the, the numbers that you choose to look at because Cam Newton has more combined touchdowns than any other quarterback in the league. He has 26. So if you're going to look at that stat, yeah, he's the MVP. Okay, here's a great I, – I, I love that. Here's here's a great point about this. The, when, when you're down at the goal line or at any time, you're trying for ball protection, right? You're trying to value mm-hmm. the ball. Well, I'm already – there's there's always going to be a center exchange. That's So that's one, quote, handoff, if you will. They don't have to do another one. Right. <laughs> they, they, they can get the ball in the hands of one of the best running backs in the league who's as big as Rolando McClain. And, and, and they avoid that. That's what, their ball protection is Cam Newton. So they don't have to take chances with throws necessarily. They don't have to bother with handoffs necessarily. They get a center exchange and away they go. So that kind of thing needs to be factored in to all the things he does too. I, Again, great respect for Tom Brady and, and what you've called the, the FU tour. But whatever Cam Newton's on, uh, he, he's on tour too. Now, it's, it's kind of a dance tour, it's kind of a dab tour, whatever that is, but, but he's on it. And, I, and I, you know, Cowboys Nation better respect that, or I think Cowboys Nation's in for quite a rude awakening on Thursday. Yeah, I, I, have, I have absolutely no doubt that the Cowboys players – are very much in respect of what Cam Newton brings to the table, uh, even if Cowboys Nation is kind of overlooking uh, the potential. And, you know, that, that's always the case. The fan base will always downplay the talents of the opposition. Uh, as long as the players don't get wrapped up into it, I'm more than happy with that. Uh, and I have to actually suspend my Cam Newton support for the week because I've been one of the most vocal supporters of him. Uh, he's one of my favorite players to watch outside of who wears a, a cowboy star, but I have to suspend that for this game because obviously the Cowboys need this win. And it's much more fun to host this show when the Cowboys are winning, as opposed to how they performed in the last two months. Uh, before well, I, I go, throw this in too. Throw this in there too on Cam Newton, just in terms of watching the growth of a player. Cause he's, he's clearly grown as a man. And I talk yeah. a lot about how the quarterback of the football team has got to be a CEO. I, well, I think Cam Newton's doing that. I, I don't think he's doing – he's not doing anything irresponsible. He's he's dancing and he's having fun, and then he's giving the touchdown ball to little kids. It, Cam Newton looks to me like a damn good face of a franchise. Completely different player, completely different style than Tony Romo, but, but very similar to me in terms of what we started out the show talking about, which is an aura. Cam Newton absolutely has that. Yes, he indeed does. All right, real quick, before I let you go, give me a rundown of, of – um... The guys that, that we have an issue with, you mentioned Brandon Carr has his ankle, but he's going to play. Uh, talk to me about everybody else that, that might have a bit of an issue right now. Yeah, uh, no more Claiborne. Yes to Byron Jones. Uh, they, they don't have much else. Now, now Des Bryant, I talked to him in Miami, and he says, Listen, I, my knee's a little dinged up, my ankle's a little dinged up, my foot's a little sore, but, but I've got the juice because Tony Romo's got the juice. I, I want to work hard and come back and be better because because I want Tony Romo and my teammates to be better. So I think Des Bryant is is kind of just nursing his way through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so he can go out there on Sunday, uh, or in this case Thursday, and be close to what he was. And I still think it's coming. I still think we haven't seen the best of Des Bryant yet, not even close. But do you agree that when you watch him play, when you watch him run, his gait, is is sluggish. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about it. I noticed it with him. 
and I, I believe Darren McFadden's groin is an issue because he broke into the open and couldn't accelerate past people uh, this past Sunday, although he was quick to the hole, which was much appreciated out of his effort. But you can clearly see that some of these guys are hobbled. And I guess that's the case with every NFL team. We're in week 12. So a lot of guys have these kind of issues. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the Cowboys will lose on Thursday uh, because of injury issues. Although, again, you sure wish you had Mo Claiborne. And by the way, a year ago, who thought we'd ever be saying that? Man, if the Cowboys lose, it's because they don't have Mo Claiborne. <laughs> so, oh, man, so, it's, a, it's a wild uh, world. Yeah, the, the Cowboys haven't come a long way because obviously they were 12 and 4 last year, and this ain't that. And it's, I don't think it's going to be that. But Mo Claiborne has come a long way. And, and, and I think that the mindset that, that these guys that I talk to have, KD, is really the one game at a time cliche. Uh, Lana McLean said it today. Greg Hardy said it on Sunday. And they're actually more and more guys are starting to talk like their head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hardy actually on Sunday night said, well, you know, it's a process. And he wasn't being sarcastic. I mean, I, I'm standing right there. It's basically a one-on-one conversation. He's not trying to be a smartass. He, he, he's, he's heard that now so often that it's starting to rub off. Now, I don't know. Does it rub off and, and cause him to change his life and put everything in an even better direction? I don't know about that. Um, but, but do these guys believe in Jason Garrett and the message? Uh, increasingly, even the, the enigmatic guys seem to be doing that. That's a fair word to use on Hardy and McLean. Agreed? Yeah, oh, definitely. And and what you learn, you know, I've, I've said this about about Red Ball for 26 years. I've known for 26 years. At first, it's so corny, you think it's got to be an act. But but it's not. He's he's his one day at a time, and his be the best you can be, and his stack good days after good. He means it. He lives it. And if if players will just listen to it, uh, it it really can work. Uh, somebody had a good line on Twitter the other day about, you know, because nationally, of course, national reports say that Jason Garrett's lost the team. And I think it was like Jimmy Johnson and Terry Bradshaw that were kind of saying it too, right? This isn't the loss and found. What did he do in Miami? He found it again? And and then if, if they lose to Car- to Carolina, then he lo- they, they lose the team again? Now, sometimes you just lose games. It doesn't mean you lose the team. Uh, Jason Garrett's the head coach here. He didn't have come into more power this week. That was also suggested. And listen, and, and listen, Ian Ian's a friend of mine. I, I really like him, and he works really hard. But doggone it, Jimmy. I mean, I'm, uh, Jason Garrett is the guy who got Bill Callahan out of the building. You don't think you think just now he accumulated the power to get Corey White out of the building? <laughs> uh, it's uh, you know, Garrett runs the football team. And and Jerry does the press conferences, and if they get another win, it'll be heralded as as not a terrible arrangement. If they don't go to the playoffs, uh, it, it'll once again, as it has been many times when they don't win the Super Bowl around here, it'll be because Jerry runs a dysfunctional organization. We'll have to wait till Thursday night to decide whether they're dysfunctional, uh, dysfunctional again or not. There it is, and that, at that point, we will, of course, check in with the one and only Mike Fisher, Cowboys Insider. Obviously, follow him on Twitter, at Fish Sports, and check for him daily, regularly on 105.3 The Fan. Always my esteemed pleasure to chop it up with you, man. We're going to have to do it again real soon. Hey, we're going to do something special for Thanksgiving weekend, and I think we're going to start this on Wednesday night. 
all okay. premium stories, all the premium stuff that that people are paying five dollars a month for and loving it. It's it's it still might have a premium label on it, but it's all going to be free on on both DallasBasketball.com if you're a Mavs fan and on Cowboys HQ if you're a Cowboys fan, of course, and all the other sites too, all the other NFL sites, all the college sports sites, all of it. So go go click around and and if you're not yet a premium subscriber, this would be your chance to look and see what we do. And is it fair to say? I mean, really, KD, we're we're doing this stuff 20 hours a day, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and, Pretty and much, there's, yeah. I mean, t- today alone, but between, really, between, uh, you know, 6 a.m. today and midnight tonight, there'll be, there'll be five new stories up that that nobody else has, nobody else conceives of, nobody else gets the access, access to. And we really invite you, you get that $5 in your pocket, you can keep it there for now, but check out what we do, Premium Cowboys and Premium Mavs, and I bet you'll be really excited and really impressed by the effort, and maybe you'll even want to be a part of it. There it is. Fish, the ultimate salesman, and he's not selling you a bag of goods. It is the real deal that we have on Cowboys HQ. Thank you, Fish. Thanks, buddy. Game, 
um, could be something that I think would be a useful wrinkle for Linehan and the Cowboys to work back in this week. Uh, as far as Turbin, I think we saw some of the things that we talked about. They trusted him very quickly to be assignment sound, and then he did his human bowling ball deal. He's built like a brick, small square building, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, and and he runs that way, right? He runs behind his pads. Um, you know, it shows shows good quickness. Runs hard. He's another guy that you know. He tested better athletically than you would expect a guy that's 5'10 in heels and almost uh, 230 pounds to, to test. So, so I, And I think we saw it right away. So um, certainly I know that fans were enamored with how hard he ran. But, uh, you know, McFadden was a guy that was nicked up during the week. In Oakland, he's a guy that had a reputation for always being nicked up with soft tissue injuries, right. minor lower leg stuff. So when you heard a groin tweak, that sounded like, you know, there was a collective groan from the fan base, like, oh, is this Oakland revisited? Did we start to see McFadden in the tub? And instead, McFadden, I thought, played a really tough and gritty game uh, against the Dolphins, ran very hard. Uh, you know, when there was an alley, he hit the alley and, and was out the gate, right? And so, and so I was really impressed with McFadden's effort. And some of those nicks and aches and pains that cost him games in Oakland, when there's still a carrot to play for, Maybe that stuff doesn't hurt quite as bad, right? So, uh, right. so here's a guy that's gotten an opportunity to be running back one again, and I think because of some of that success they're having, you know, this offensive line is so versatile. Uh, while the coaching staff may have an overwhelming preference to run zone concepts, uh, this is an offensive line that can do either one. You know, they can exactly. they can run power and maul you. They've got guys that can get out on the edges when you pull them and are effective in space. You know. When you see uh, Collins and Martin coming at you pulling, uh, that's, that's very daunting for smaller bodies at the second level and secondary guys coming up with run support. Obviously, Lyle, you know, Lyle Collins can just you know flick a DB off of him on, on those kind of situations. But they, I thought they did a great job uh, when they were getting out on the edges of doing the right things, right? One guy kicks out, one guy hooks, and, and now you've got that alley created for McFadden to run to his strengths. Uh, you know, which in that power style isn't picking a hole um, and making a read, but hitting it where it's called and, and you know, getting everything that's there. And so uh, I thought they did a great job with that. Um, and I thought that – and maybe he's maybe he's getting a little bit boring in his excellence. You know, you, you, you find that a little bit maybe with some members of this offensive line. But nobody talked a lot about Travis Frederick, and I thought he was great inside uh, this week. So, yeah. you know, this yeah. is – this is another week this, this Carolina D-line is coming off a big effort against Washington, right? They didn't let Washington run. Uh, I think they had six sacks as a team. And so uh, a, lot of, a lot of impetus on the offensive line for the Cowboys to keep it going. But the Dolphins' offensive line, I mean, Dolphins' defensive line, excuse me, against this O-line, had a lot of traction in the first half. But we saw just, you know, as all the threads come back to Romo, the effectiveness – and the threat of him being there and the team having to play you a little bit honest, we saw 2014 reenacted in Miami where you get a defense to the point that they're worn down and you can finish a game. You know, they, they were getting a lot of heat yep. uh, during the losing streak for not finishing. This offensive line finished and finished physical to the point that the Dolphins didn't want a whole lot left to do with it in the fourth quarter, right? That The Dolphins' defense was, was turning down uh, the chance to – to smash mouths with the uh, Cowboys offensive line again. So uh, hopefully we see a continuation of that. But, you know, Carolina gets Charles Johnson back on that defensive line. So it's a uh, 
it's a big task and a big task at the second level to cut off those linebackers. But you got to think this offensive line is feeling good about themselves the way they closed out Sue and his teammates on the Dolphins. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's funny to say that because I actually tweeted during the game that commitment to the run isn't about uh, your yards per carry uh, as the game progresses. It's more so about the fact that the defense doesn't want to play with you anymore once you get to the fourth quarter. And you're exactly right. That's, that's precisely what we saw uh, down the stretch because the Cowboys, I actually did my uh, toxic event ledger today, and the Cowboys were actually down in explosive plays until that final drive of the game. And Jeremy McFadden had three different runs of 10 yards or more, which was highly significant of the fact that the Dolphins were just saying, you know, we're done for the day. You guys got it. Y'all beat us. So it'll be uh, very interesting to see if the Cowboys can do that. And as you said, those pulling plays when the guards come outside, Zach uh, Martin and Collins, and when Frederick is, uh, you know, doing his combo blocking to get to the second level, the strength of the Panthers linebackers of being able to shed those offensive linemen blocks and still get to the still get to the ball carrier, that's going to be the game within the game for the Cowboys. Uh, it's, it's so fascinating the number of matchups in this game that are, that are highly interesting. Uh, and for the next one, I'll say would be Josh Norman covering Des White because he has obviously been an outstanding quarterback this year. Uh, quarterbacks thrown in his direction are only uh, only uh, proceeding with a 38.7 pass rating against him, which is insane. And he does uh, carry wide receiver or the number one receiver all over the field, so we can expect to see that matchup of Des Bryant versus Josh Norman all day long. But how do you think his presence will affect the rest of the Cowboys offense and how they proceed? Because I'm imagining a bit of, uh, you know, 12 personnel and a lot of trying to get yards after the catch as opposed to deep passes with yards in the air. I think the Cowboys are going to need to focus on yards after the catch and getting guys in precise situation. They don't do the rub routes well. They do slants well things of that sort, crossing patterns going across the middle. What do you see the Cowboys offense looking like in this game? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, and I talked a little bit during the week before Miami that for all of the heat they had taken uh, for disappearing, the Cowboys, and I mean everyone that runs a route for the Cowboys, from backs to tight ends to receivers, uh, for all the heat they had taken for disappearing, they didn't disappear, I argued, but the ability to anticipate their routes disappeared. And so, and and it, it was clear that you know when you can't find Cole Beasley, a guy that's so difficult to cover one on one. Well, a big part of that is that Cole's going to run, you know, from right to left across the formation. He's going to plant a foot and be coming back right. And as you went back and looked, even the catches that Cole made, um, and he had the one big game, you know, during the losing streak. But even the catches that he made, they were often spectacular because the ball was behind him, because the ball was being thrown mm-hmm. to where he was and not where he was going. So. Just Romo coming back, and even with whatever rust he had to chip off, you, you started to see him throwing guys open. You started to see big conversions where the ball went where, to a spot where the receiver just had to run to it, and it was an empty space, right? And so we saw, we saw some of that start to develop, and all of a sudden you see Gavin Escobar get a catch, and you, you see Devin Street with a big uh, third-down conversion in that game. And the fact that these are guys that the backup quarterbacks couldn't even find, and Romo does his customary thing, which is he's going to find guys that are working open, and he's going to throw them even more open. Um, I think that that's, that's going to continue to get better as he gets sharper, you know, as we go here. So I, I do expect that they'll have to spread it around. This probably isn't a game where Dez can go out and get double-digit catches on Josh Norman, and it probably doesn't benefit the Cowboys to target Dez 12 or 15 times. 
against Josh Norman. But there are going to be a couple of plays that Dez is going to have to make. Um, I know that there was an adjustment in the Miami game where they were given safety help, and Dez said, you know, throw me some of these in cuts. Let me run away from coverage and uh, right. and use that ability. So we might we might see the drags and crosses both to Dez and to Terrence come back uh, in this game. And to your point, you know, let Romo hit them in stride and allow for, especially on those, those inward digs, right, instead of throwing it right to where he's making his break, let him hit it running and continue to run across the formation and, and turn some of those into big gains and some of those toxic plays that you talk about. Um, you know, so I think, I think we'll see some of that. And then I think one play, if you wanted to highlight it as something that I think would be extremely useful in this game, was as soon as Dez lined up in the slot on his touchdown reception, Mm-hmm. You can see that the Cowboys obviously weighted the receivers to the right side. They had the whole left side of the formation and the field to work with. And Dez lining up in the slot, you could call that post. You knew it was coming. And Dez is doing a great yep. job downfield of setting guys up where he runs at them very hard and makes them commit. And then he breaks off those routes very crisply now. And this is a guy that, you know, has been learning as he's gone how to set up routes and get gotten better and better and better at it. But – we saw it even on the deep throw to Tampa at the end of the game that ended up being intercepted, right? Dez set up the corner and then ran past the safety with a, you know, with a post again. So, you know, there's going to be some chances to do some things like that where he may be able to get free deep if you're running those ins and letting him continue to run across the formation. He's going to have to make some plays against Norman. But, uh, but I think you're right. They're going to have to spread it around and probably hit some plays, you know, on the run. But getting Dez in the slot where he got to for that touchdown – and this team hasn't done it a lot. They don't, you know, Dez consistently has had some of the fewest targets for a wide receiver one from the slot out of any lead wide receiver in the league. But if they can do that, he can get a free release. If they can do that and get Dez running in the secondary, then he's got a chance, even against Josh Norman, with well, you know, with good ball placement to be able to make some plays. And they're going to need him. They can't simply let Norman erase uh, Dez Bryant. And I think we right. talked a lot about the characteristics of a true wide receiver one. If they want to cover Dez with Josh Norman, for and Norman's been great, but if they want to cover him one-on-one with Norman, you've got to test it. You know, you've, it, there's going to be some points where you've got to test it. Even if it doesn't always go in your favor, you're going to have – you can't simply let them have that. Um, you know, right. you can't simply let, let them take your, your biggest weapon away willingly. So um, I think it would be very interesting to see, but that's also where I think in that middle of the field and run after the catch is where getting Trey Williams involved could be very useful as well. And, of course, we're here on Cowboys Crunch Time with KD, chopping it up with my co-host, Keith Mullen. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, at Keith Deuces. Now, let's switch to the opposite side of the ball. Uh, I haven't done a lot of film study, and obviously I, uh, you know, I defer to you and, and Joey Ice when it comes to a lot of the X's and O's stuff. But from what I saw, it seemed like most of what Carolina did in the Washington game, which was their most successful offensive output pretty much since Cam Newton has taken over at quarterback, uh, but I saw a lot of uh, what they did was predicated on the read option as well as the play-action fake. Uh, so in that case, what do you see uh, the Dallas defense having to do, or what do you think their game plan is going to be approaching this game on on Thursday? Yeah, I think th- there's a lot of pressure. We talked about, you know, I mentioned briefly Carolina's linebacker group and how skilled they are. Um, the Dallas linebacker group has been playing great with a suddenly motivated uh, 55. And uh, and so Sean Lee, <laughs> money, money, yeah, funny how that works. So Sean Lee <laughs> and Ryan McLean are suddenly 
looking like what people were excited about seeing. And uh, But it put, will put a ton of pressure on them because Carolina is going to test you early with some of the uh, not just read option looks, but also the, that, the designed quarterback runs, the quarterback power stuff that they do. Uh, they like right. to do that. They're going to come at you heavy and uh, and run Stewart at you, and uh, and that's a guy whose legs just don't stop churning. you got to get him off his feet. Uh, Cowboys have linebackers that will do that. Uh, you know, So somebody like Rowe coming up and filling with authority now uh, matters when you have a back that, uh, that runs with the power and the low base and behind his pads like Stewart does. So I think that being disciplined is going to be a big deal on the edges, and that's Hardy and Lawrence first, and then anybody else they want to put outside with that, Fitzy, Gregory, everyone. Uh, yeah, because yeah. you mentioned if they get that run game going off off that read option look, then you see a lot of those read option plays turn into play action where Cam crouches down like he's handing that off, steps back and comes up, you know, as a big, tall quarterback and, and is, was finding targets and spreading the ball around against Washington. And he's been doing it uh, pretty consistently all year. They don't have a lot of targets that scare you, uh, I would think, as a defensive coordinator outside of – the one uh, notable exception, which is Greg Olson at tight end. So how do you handle Greg Olson? So, you know, we saw the Cowboys be forced with Claiborne's injury, and it looks like Moe's not going to play this week. Uh, so they had to play Byron Jones at corner. And I actually think that Byron Jones uh, still is an excellent corner. I know that people want to bring up him getting beat really for two chunk plays, the touchdown to Stills being the, uh, the most notable. But uh, one of the things that – and I would suggest not playing this technique this week – but the touchdown to Stills, Byron Jones was playing on the line of scrimmage, but not pressing. Mm-hmm. And on a third and six, for him to give up an outside release where obviously it was called that he wasn't going to press, then don't, there's, there was no reason to me to play that alignment, which gave away your cushion willingly against a guy like Stills and put him in a trail position from the very you know snap of the football uh, because you're giving him a free release. So don't do that with someone like Ginn. This week would be great. Uh, but uh, what, I, what I'm curious of is the trend has continued where we've seen Carolina run 12 personnel, two tight ends, 70-plus percent of the game. They, they like to come at you heavy, and that plays into the read option stuff that they do. I ha- I'm curious, and we'll find out about practice today, but I'm curious if that plays into the Cowboys' hands, because if you have two tight ends on the field, does that let the Cowboys use Byron Jones like they have since OTAs to play the tight end man all over the field? Because Carolina will split Olsen out. They'll do a lot of different things with him to get him to try and get him free. But if you come out with two tight ends and only two wide receivers, that might give the Cowboys uh, the personnel. You may not spread the Cowboys thin enough so that they can use Byron Jones in an effort as that chess piece to eliminate athletic tight ends like they have tried to all year. I think that if they show the Cowboys 70% of the plays in double tights and Byron gets to play on Olsen, that would play right into the Cowboys' defense's hands. So if they can be disciplined on the run stuff and not get not let Carolina run wild, then you have a chance to take away Cam's favorite target and really the only significantly dangerous. Ted Ginn can still run, but he still has difficulty with some of the other aspects of playing wide receiver like securing catches. Uh, so right. I think I think that – if, if you can slow their run game down early enough, the Cowboys could look very good uh, in terms of matching up with these Carolina receivers and, and putting a lot of pressure on Cam then to make plays. Again, you have to watch Cam's feet uh, in terms of, you know, if you have a third down and any kind of reasonable distance that he can't simply go pick that up. So these guys are going to have to be very disciplined in their rush lanes 
when dealing with a guy like Cam Newton. But uh, but having the run fits work and not getting sucked in as a defensive end uh, is going to be a big deal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be focused more on how the defensive ends play responsibility-wise and, and how the Cowboys maintain leverage on outside contain and some of those things on the option early. And then on third downs, I want to see what the Cowboys do with Byron Jones and if they, if they try and play that chess match, that matchup ball, uh, and try and get Jones onto Olsen just to take away Cam's favorite and most lethal target. All right. Now, before I let you go, I have to get your overall take on some – uh, obviously, I've been a uh, defender of Cam Newton over the last couple of years. Anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that about me, that I am a fan of how he approaches a quarterback position uh, and is having an outstanding year. He leads the NFL in, in uh, total touchdowns with 26 right now, and he is the captain of a 10-0 team. So I, I think all haterism has to fall by the wayside right now in the job that he's doing. Uh, but give me your thoughts on Cam and then anything else that stood out to you about this matchup that the Cowboys uh, either will be trying to do or need to be prepared for. Yeah, I mean, I think that Cam's obviously having an outstanding season. So, um, and, you know, the sort of the old, uh, you know, we talk a lot about narratives with Romo. So sort of some of the, some of the old narratives about Cam and, uh, and his inability to function within the, the system, uh, you know, I think that clearly his play – uh, take some of those or should take some of those out of the limelight and we should focus on what he's accomplishing right now, which is he's running that system, which is designed around his skills uh, masterfully at the moment. And, you know, and I, people will still point at efficiency and that, you know, for him, 60% completions is a, is a, a big day, but, uh, right. but they're <laughs> making so many, they're making so many big plays uh, that, and, and really with limited weapons, that it's, it's hard to say that there's anything but Cam that's driving that, that show. So, uh, and that's where if the Cowboys can be, you can take away a facet of what he does. And, uh, and in that, if you can control that read option, then I think you have your best chance to beat him because you can play one aspect of it. You know, if you can make him function from the pocket, which is easier said than done, then I think they've got their best chance to, uh, you know, to come away with a win. Carolina's not going to win 16. So why not this week? Right. Uh, and, and right. we do know that it is – we know it's very tough for teams to play a game and then have to uh, fly in here on the short week, right? It's, it's tougher for them uh, than it is for – you know, it's always been an inherent advantage that teams have squealed about for the Cowboys to be able to play that short week game as a home game. So it's uh, it certainly puts a, a lot of pressure on Carolina to deal with it. I think that Carolina certainly sees what Romo – they're going to come in with their eyes open as far as uh, what Romo means uh, being back, right? They've all noticed, oh, the Cowboys are better. But I think that, uh, you know, is there a chance for this to be a trap game for Carolina, even with Romo back? Do they look too, a little too much at the, at the schedule? Maybe the players would have that inclination initially. But, you know, Rivera, Rivera's staff has one job, which is to make sure that they know that the Cowboys are extremely dangerous uh, with number nine back under center. So I think that uh, – that Cam poses so many problems that it, this this defense is going to have to play with so much discipline to control him. It'll be very interesting to see if he can keep that that role going. Um, you know, I think I tend to think that even the even the emotional high that ten and zero would have to give you, this Cowboys team uh, certainly feels better about themselves than any 
uh, three and seven team in history right now, right? So, uh, yep. so it's, yep. it's going to be it's definitely uh, an interesting emotional matchup. We talked about the pressure that was on the staff to make sure that they had some positive things happen early in Miami, so that we didn't start to see things vibrate and start to come apart at all. Um, and and thankfully, they controlled that game well enough that I think you know if this team can string a couple together. Um, you know, that belief becomes an incredible uh, asset to them. So, uh, you know, it's it's a big week, and, and I would not uh, – I think people should be very careful. I don't know how you can overlook a 10-0 team. But I think that <laughs> through Carolina's history, and, you know, I think that people have, uh, you know, just a lot of – at least the habit of looking at Carolina as a lesser franchise, right, an expansion team that's, uh, that's never right. really accomplished a lot. Um, this team has built a – a really rugged defense and a real strong identity offensively. So, you know, you're going to have to come out prepared to match up with that offensive identity and take away something that they dearly love to do. So it's uh, the, the task is daunting, but I think that uh, we saw a lot of positives from the way that the Cowboys were able to control and then close the game in Miami and looking forward to that continuing on Thursday. There's the one and only Keith, ladies and gentlemen. I told you, you make sure you follow him on Twitter at Deuces. My man, Mr. Mullins, as always, it is a pleasure to chop it up with you, and we will talk again next week, hopefully after a two-game winning streak for the Cowboys. Without a doubt. Can't wait, brother. All right, and with that, we will bring a close to this week's festivities. I am so honored that you guys take the time out to listen to us here on Cowboys Crunch Time KD. I implore you, if you have a podcatcher, whether it be iTunes or Blueberry or whatever else, Stitcher, whatever else that you listen to your podcast on, go find Cowboys Crunch Time and subscribe to make sure that you don't miss any episode. Obviously, we post weekly every episode on CowboysHQ.com. But there are so many ways to guarantee that you can hear us. We hope that you take advantage of them. If you're on Twitter, follow me at KD Drummond NFL. And many thanks to our guests from this week. Of course, the one and only Cowboys insider Mike Fisher at Fish Sports. My man Keith Mullins at Keith Deuces. Uh, from part one, Joey Ikes at Joey Ikes. And we wish that we had brought you, we were able to bring you Ryan Burns. But he is a very busy man, and I fully understand. We will get him on next week to discuss the AFC and the NFL in general. Always fun times with him. And that's it. We're going to go ahead and sign off. The Cowboys are going to be taking on the Panthers on Thursday. And hopefully we will have a beautiful celebration of knocking off another undefeated team. Because that's what we do. So tune in next week. Hopefully we're still celebrating and not starting to look towards the 2016 season. That's it. I'm out of here. You know what it is. Salute. It don't look good on you. Hey, but you know what? That don't really fit you, though. You don't even look right. Save your strength for another day. Put that strength up. So you know that what I do, I'm going to still do this. Because this is what I do. Y'all show them what I do. Y'all show them what I do. Y'all show them what I do. Train to go 45 minutes for the CB and the cannon blow. 45 nigga, 45 slow, same side, 45 pickles. I killed over 45 nickels. AK with a mouth like Columbine Trigger. Chopper blow your spine, little poppy bone like He Man. Can't nobody make it through the storm like.
save your strength for another day. Put that strength up, save it for another day. I'ma still do this. Cause this is what I do. 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 I do. Yeah. Oh.